Let's make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. Courage, duty, honor. We call upon our troopers in this our darkest hour. Our way of life is what we're fighting for. The flag that flies above us inspires us each day. Sci-Fi Melody, Symptom 259, Starship Troopers 3, The One with T'Pol. And welcome back, sickies, to our next installment of Starship Troopers September with Starship Troopers 3, Marauders, which, you know, really... I get the title of it. It matches the movie, but only sorta. So, I I don't know. Well, but I say it's this a direct one. to DVD, obviously. Oh, obviously. But I will say this one: it's better than last week. Yeah, I was watching this movie, and I surprisingly <laughs> had to admit that it was better than last week because I expected I expected this one to be terrible. But it did have over twice the budget, and oh. Well, it tied into the world, say, at least. Yeah, exactly. There it is. It actually brought us back. It wasn't someone going, hey, I got a horror movie that's basically alien I want to create, but the studio wants Starship Troopers, so we're going to mush them together and hope it works. I got, a, uh, I got a little Star Trek V vibe. The, uh, the Sky Marshal goes to a desert, deserted planet to meet God. And finds out that God is going to kill everybody and hurt everybody and never really intended uh, to help them, as he said, but just needed the, uh, to use them. Wow. That, that knocks this down a point now that you made that connection. You, you chose arguably one of the worst Star Trek movies ever made. I sure did. <laughs> oh, what, it's not, not even not, arguably. Not, <laughs> not, I was going to say, not to go too far off the beaten path, but is it safe to say that that is the worst? Of the non-Abramverse films, yes, it is the worst. If you take, if you add in the three Abramsverse films, and then you say that there are a total of <laughs> thirteen Star Trek films, uh, it becomes the ninth worst, uh, or I'm sorry, the tenth worst film ever made in Star Trek. Okay, but by itself, but the the next gen and original tos films this one ranks in supremely bad oh yes dear god why would you say that you like this movie worse wait worse than nemesis far worse than nemesis i'm gonna be honest with you i like nemesis i like nemesis more than i like insurrection and i probably like nemesis more than i like generations even though nemesis is i still think if data doesn't die nobody has a real problem with nemesis it's a fine, okay. it's, it's an okay ending. Yeah, it's Picard's empty nest. He's going to be left with Jordy and Worf, um, and everyone else is gone. Maybe Crusher's going to be there for a second, too, but basically the ship is, everyone's leaving. And now Data's dead. But I think if Data lives, and Riker and Troy are just going off to, to be on the Titan after they get married, I don't think anyone has as much of a problem with Nemesis as they do. Okay. 
Well, Sickies, I should also mention, if you haven't noticed already, that we're rejoined by Thomas, who is still battling with not COVID, but still horrible. So if you hear coughing or uh, other various bodily fluids or organs escaping from someone's body, that would be Thomas. Yay! I'm alive. So, he's alive. <laughs> you don't sound like it. You sound like we reanimated your corpse for this show. This is how we need him to sound next month, but he's going to be fine by then, so... I sure hope so. But me too, but I'm just going to go on the assumption you will be. Thomas swears that it's not COVID and it's bronchitis, but I call it COVID-induced bronchitis. Ah. Uh, well, whatever it is, just letting you know, Sickies, he's back, he's alive, mm, mostly. He's, he's on the verge of becoming weeks. a sedera. He's on the verge of becoming a sedarum, which, by the way, I know I'm, we usually do this at the end, but Zodiac Task Force dropped today, the last episode 13, part one. Part one, because Rage Master doesn't know how to stop writing. So we split it up into two. But still, very good. Check it out. But before you go check that out, though, let's get into Starship Troopers 3. And as if Scott we pointed must. out, what's that? I said, if we must. We must. As Scott pointed out, this one is actually in-universe, unlike last week, part two. Now, which is interesting because part two was written by Edward Neumeyer, who also happened to do the screenplay for Starship Troopers 1. So I'm going to call that studio interference from last week. But this week, he got to make this film. And basically, it starts off with the bugs evolving. It's 11 years into the, now it's called the second bug war. Don't even know what happened to the first, but here we are. And the bugs are evolving and making things like grenade bugs. But that's okay. The uh, Federation is making new weapons themselves. And they've... Entrenching tools. Trench warfare. Huh? Entrenching tools. Yeah, shoveling. Which, I mean, yeah, I, I guess. And on the planet Rokusan, we have Colonel, uh, which is a farming planet. We have Colonel Rico back from part one, and he's leading a troop. And he's also hosting the Sky Marshal. The Sky Marshal's name is uh, Omar Anoki, who also happens to be a dynamite singer, singing about essentially dying for the federation dolce dorum esticorum pro patria mori that kind of stuff <clears throat> if you know your siegfried sassoon and so um he shows up they to paul shows up with him i'm sorry not to paul what's her name um uh, oh, lola shoot. beck lola beck and a guy a former friend of uh rico general i'm not saying this wrong Dicks Hauser. <laughs> Dick Hauser. I, yes. You know, I, I should save this for rips and picks, but did they name the, the general Dicks Hauser because they couldn't get Neil Patrick Harris, who played Doogie Hauser, MD, back? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's spelled Hauser is spelled differently, but nonetheless, Hauser. But also, also, also let's name. be honest, they basically did that. Oh, well, yeah, obviously. You get the vibe that that's who this is supposed to be. This is the thing. Uh, I'll save the rest of this for rips and picks. Okay, okay. So anyway, uh, 
Dix gets into a fight with some local farmers who are protesting the war and um and Johnny tries to stop him and but before anything could happen, the bugs break in, there's a huge massacre, and Rokosan is destroyed. Johnny Rico is blamed for it, and Hauser uh, Lola Beck dicks Hauser <laughs> and um the Sky Marshal take off to escape. However, by the time they get over this planet OM1, it gets attacked from the ground and they crash land on there. Meanwhile, Rico uh, is set to get executed when Dix Hauser uncovers the fact that the some Admiral, uh, Admiral Theo or whatever, Finn, knows that the Sky Marshal is on OM1 but has decided to not go rescue him. So General Dix Hauser enlists uh fakes johnny rico's execution and enlists him to go lead a troop to go rescue the sky marshal meanwhile the sky marshal and lola beck are wandering on this planet and uh they're talking about god a lot and religion and finally after a few people die they find out that there's a master bug a master brain bug called the behemoth kotil which is behemoth and kotil together Behemoth, meaning giant monster from ancient Hebrewic mythology, and Koto, which is giant serpent creatures from Aztec mythology. Clever guys. And it's the brain bug of brain bugs. And what happened was the Sky Marshal Anoke is a psychic who also was communicating with the brain bug captured from planet P, and he made contact with Behemoth Koto, who convinced them of their religion, the bug's religion, and said, Oh, if, um, Sue for peace if you give me Roku-san. So the reason the shields and other defenses on Roku-san failed is because the Sky Marshal shut him off as a gesture of faith so that he could argue for peace between humanity and the bugs. Um, unfortunately, the Sky Marshal has become a fanatic and winds up getting eaten in a um, vaginal maw. I have to believe that that was deliberate, by the way, folks. Sickies, that was deliberate. I have no. to believe that. Anything with sexual overtones in this movie appears to have been very deliberate. Exactly. It's got uh, also the maturity of being written by a 17-year-old boy. Right. And also the nudity for it, too. Oh, yeah. The tons of it at one that point. That was the most gratuitous clearly, scene. Where they clearly just are not letting up on it. There's no point to Which, have that. That whole scene exists to show off, um, here's, our, here's our minute of nudity we can get away with with the rating we've got. Yeah. Right. Well, what what I happened mean, in the first in the first movie it makes most sense. Yeah. But what happened was Sickies is um the admiral takes General Dix Hauser into some underground research facility, shows her shows him the brain bug from episode from film 1, shows him the video of uh Sky Marshal Anoke communing and becoming a fanatic and saying that's why we're not rescuing the Sky Marshal cuz we're afraid that he was infiltrated. And the sky, the brain bug tries to unleash a telepathic attack. Um, why it didn't do it before is because it wanted to get captured. Nice bit of retconning there. But don't worry, General Dixhauser shoots it dead. Um, and then meanwhile, Johnny Rico is given a group called the Marauders, a bunch of mobile infantry who are set to be killed, and they're put in mecha battle suits. And they go down and rescue the only two people left for, on OM1, which would be, um, oh, why do I keep forgetting to Paul's name? Lola Beck 
and what's her name? The girl that goes on becomes the chaplain, Holly, who's oh. a real big Christian. All of a sudden, Christianity is a thing in this movie. Let me tell you why you keep forgetting to Paul's name is Lola Beck. Because the, un- because the character is essentially to Paul in season three of Enterprise when she's uh, doing the, uh, oh God, I can't remember the name of it right now, the drug that they need to uh, safely navigate through the expanse so that she can be, uh, she can uh, immunize herself to it and her emotions go crazy and she becomes an emotional wreck. You're basically seeing a to Paul with emotions in this film. That's it. <laughs> it's the same Not character. Not that many emotions either. No. Yeah, and and fun fact is that uh, Moada is a closer to the original. Book. That's that's a trivia we're going to get to, but yeah. So in the long run, the Marauders show up, save the day, rescue them, go back up to the uh, fleet above planet OM One, where they drop a Q bomb and blow the whole thing up to kill the Mega Mind Behemakotil. Johnny Rico is offered to promote to general. General Dixhauser marries. Um, Lola Paul, jeez, I really can't. Lola Beck, and Holly becomes a chaplain, and Admiral Fid becomes the Sky Marshal, and decides that Christianity is the way to go. Only it's now um, basically used as a means of control because all of a sudden it's God. God exists. God's on our side. God wants us to win. So enroll now. That's right. It's you a know? crusade against the bug. Basically. And that's the story. So, you know, Thomas, you mentioned some f- one fun fact, and that was actually my first fun fact. The Marauder armored combat suits and the Q bomb actually were in the original novel. That was yes, yes, they were. Uh, somebody who would watch the film and say, "Hey, where's the armor? Where's the tanks and artillery?" Well, you see, in the original novel, they didn't have that because the armored battle suits, the infantry war, was the armor. <laughs> Um, so it's kind of Mecca before the Japanese did it. And, um, so now it shows up. However, you'll notice if you're looking at them and you've been around for a while, you might say those mechs look familiar. If you've ever played mech warrior or battle tech, yes, they do look familiar. Don't they? A little bit of a rip off on that one. Exactamundo! They are totally a rip-off. a ripoff on it. In fact, um, Holly at the end says, Lord, send us an army of angels to save us, and the Marauders arrive ready to defeat the Arachnids, which is referencing a Warhammer 40k product. <laughs> so you have Battletech and Warhammer 40k mentioned here. Nice, guys. Nice. And very subtle. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's subtle if you have no idea what those things are. If you do, well, you're aware. Speaking of no recognizing things, Thomas, what do those submachine guns look like? They remind you of anything? No. Nothing. They don't? Also, not being sarcastic, but go ahead. Oh, I noticed. Uh, uh, go back and look at Halo. I know, particularly Combat Evolved. I mean, uh, yeah, or replica, but yes, yeah, they they are basically replica um, assault rifles from Halo, the first game. Eh, well, all the Halo games, really, but yeah. I so don't know why not they only did, did they rip changed off, it, they had guns, 
they already had an iconic gun. Why did they change it? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, the the, the Merida was a fine looking gun, even when they made it laser fied in the last film, which was a big improvement. Why they decided? You, you have to assume someone in the studio went, "Hey, this Halo game's popular. Let's do that." Yeah, but no one was com- no one was complaining about that. So, um, Scott, you said that. Um, well, let's go back to two things you said. Jolene Blaylock, who played to Paul and whatever her name is, <laughs> um, she has said that she would be glad to reprise her role as Lola Beck in future installments. That that didn't happen, I don't think. Nope. I wonder uh, why. She would be glad to reprise her role as Lola Beck because for the most part, she's not working. And yeah. uh, she's... Look, she made it as a professional actress on a TV series that went four years. She's got tons of uh, guest spot appearances and other things. And, and one more uh, movie title to her name than I ever will. So, what can I say? But she's if right. really... If you really look at it, there's a reason that her biggest role ever was the Vulcan lead, where the direction given every time is, can you do that just a little bit more robotic and laconic? Can you read your lines for me like it's the first time you're reading them off the page? And you're not an actor. Correct. And for someone who is not trained as an actress... I guess she did a fine job here. It was probably better than I expected it to be, but it still was not good. Right. So, Scott, you also mentioned the budget. You said it was doubled. Uh, no, no, it wasn't bub- doubled. Original Starship Troopers had uh, the 97 one had a budget of $105 million. Starship Troopers 2 had six. This one had nine. Oh, I, I saw 20 on Wikipedia. Nope, $9 million. Now it now it went further because they filmed in South Africa, but still, they didn't really have the big budget. Um, it shows. Yeah, it shows, and it was a directed DVD release, which also shows um, the character, the cook, who's really annoying. His name is Jingo, which is a term used to refer to someone who fiercely advocates war on the basis of patriotism, jingoism. You know, I'm glad you said that because that was something I was going to talk about later, but yep. There it is. Uh, This is something that I caught in this, but that's okay. It's Starship Troopers. It's not supposed to be subtle. No, not at all. Not not the movies. The book was supposed to be meant to be serious. The movies are meant to be satirical. But uh, the judge's gavel is a meat tenderizer. I uh, noticed that myself, and I was like, that's an interesting-looking gavel. Why would you use that? I guess they wanted it to look awesome. I don't know. Um, So, let's see. Then there were some sound effects from previous films. Who cares? Um, Yeah. That's it. I've got a fun fact. Sure. If you pay very, very close attention in the scene where you are in General Hauser's office, you can see that there's a goof in that they left the name uh, of the character in the original script before it was overruled as General Harder 
on his nameplate on his desk. Uh, whoops. I'm kidding. That's a not fun fact, but I would I am shocked that this general's name last name was not Harder instead of Hauser. <laughs> <laughs> or or Longer almost, or something. General Longer. That, that's I'm almost uh, well, I kept saying his name General Dix Hauser. So how many things can we sneak in? <laughs> you know what? You got to figure that was deliberate. <laughs> like someone probably said that and they're like, hey, why don't we just put that as the nameplate on his desk and not tell anyone? Yeah, I, it, it didn't really happen. I was just making that up to see if I could fool someone oh. for a second. <laughs> I must have done a really good job because I you <laughs> did. got it past you. <laughs> you did. It was a Scott's fun not fact. <laughs> well, you sometimes use those, and those, those can be fun. So that was your fun fact. Someone switched the name Hauser out for harder. <laughs> um, so the next fact, well, I think that's it for fun facts. I think we can move ahead now to rips and picks, because I do have a, some discussion points that might actually make this provocative, if you will. But for now, Ooh. let's stick with the rips and picks. And I'm going to start it off with the CGI that is absolutely horrible, but somehow equal to She-Hulk. The CGI here is, is god-awful bad. So I, I will agree with you on that. I mean, it's... But However... What do you expect on a $9 million? That's right. I'm giving the people here more benefit because they were doing this in 2012 with a $9 million budget. Well, okay, less than nine. 12 versus the staff of She Hulk, who is much. 12? Well, they supposedly have more money. Yeah. So, although I do find it very funny that when Disney tried to defend the She-Hulk CGI, their answer was, hey, these people are overworked and underpaid and there's not enough of them. And, oh, whoopsie, said the quiet part loud. <laughs> <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> yeah. So CGI total garbage. The end. Um, next. I'm just going to let loose with my biggest rip right off the bat. Go ahead. Hey, we got Johnny Rico back, and he's going to go meet his friends. Oh, these will be the people from the first movie. Rah. Um. Oh. Why are we meeting new friends that are supposedly his close good friends and, for, and not bringing back the people from the first movie who are still alive? I get that maybe Neil Patrick Harris wasn't going to come star in a made-for-TV movie at this time. Recast him. I get that you weren't going to get all of these people back um, at this point in time for a made-for-TV movie. I Okay, recast them. Recast them. That is better yeah. than all of a sudden he's got a new best friend that we never heard of. We're bringing Johnny Rico back for nostalgia pop to get people to buy back in and say, look, we're in the universe. You'd have been better off recasting i can't remember the name of the actual pilot in the first movie but um or or doogie hauser's character oh denise richards yes so i get it you're not bringing denise richards back you're not bringing neil patrick harris back recast them that's it yeah it, it, it's, just, it's just stupid it's absolutely stupid and somehow again they had enough money to get you know rico basically and that was it yeah, he's like the Burt from Tremors that they can just keep bringing back because, hey, 
Um, all right, I'm going to pile on. Everything in this film is derivative. I'm watching the fight scene. I'm watching the fight scene with General Hauser. And all I'm thinking of is, Sarge, how is it every year on Unification Day you find yourself in an Alliance-friendly bar looking for a fight? <laughs> I thought of that, too, actually. Especially when they were like, to the Federation! Right. To, and, and then there's the Federation, Star Trek Rip. It's a good day to die. Where, I mean, that's Worf's catchphrase, and at this point in time, it has been, it is associated with Klingons, so we're not even going to try. We're just going to rip it to good day to die. Uh, we call our FTL warp, so we're not even trying. Um, the, the Star Trek homages or ripoffs are, are plentiful. Um, I mean, it, it, this movie is derivative of just about everything. As you said, you stole the guns from Halo. What was the other thing you said that they, they, they stole and reused entirely from something else? Um, I'm not thinking of right Warhammer now. Warhammer and Battletech. Yeah. This is, I mean, there's not much original in this movie at all. Pretty, it's pretty horrible. Most of the planet scene with, it, with finding God on a desert planet, I said it reminds me of Star Trek V. Maybe it wasn't supposed to, but it sure does. Um... We've got the sanctuary base that if the uh, that if the bugs ever find it, we're going to be destroyed. That kind of sounds a lot to me, like the Rebel Alliance keeping the fleet in motion all the time. Because if the Empire ever found out where it was, there would be no more Empire. And nothing in this film seems original to me. It's just it's bad because it's not. Nothing about it is really original. Well, another thing that I kind of, um, well, you, you did my rip with, why don't you just recast people instead of creating new ones? Uh, but also just the, the retcon, um, about the brain bug voluntarily getting captured. I get that because you can't say that it was captured and then gives up to the sky marshal who's psychic you know, or un, you know then unleashes a psychic wave to escape because it's like if you don't because <laughs> if you had if it had done that then the question would be without the oh it wanted to be captured line it would turn into why didn't he use that psychic wave when it got captured you know also, maybe uh, how good of a psychic was uh, well Doogie Hauser wasn't that good of a psychic because he said the brain bug was scared Right. So, and that's the other thing. It's like, on one hand, good. You covered the reason why it just didn't use the psychic attack right away. But bad. So, but it was said it was scared. And I'm not going to get into this. Well, it could act like it was scared. No, I'm not playing. I'm not gymnasticking this and helping the writer. So, um, yeah, no. So that was kind of a rip. I mean, a pick and a half a pick for effort, but mostly a rip. Um, I think a rip, too, is that they were trying to do a bit too many things here. They were talking about war protesters, and they were clearly making a statement about media. And then there was a religious statement. It's like, okay, guys, I get it. You're trying to cover certain things. And you can do that, okay? You can. But... Pick a lane. Pick a lane. Yeah, pick a lane. With part, with part one, between militarism and citizenship and whatnot, you can because they were put together. 
but here it was like exactly it's like so which one do you want to cover guys do you could have just had the war protesters as a setup for future installments and let it you know let it be known people are protesting and you know okay fine we'll get to that later but uh yeah pick a lane that was trying to do too much and too short a time then you have um you have the disdain for which officers view the common people who don't want to serve and die. You've got, you've got General Hauser who absolutely has no respect for these people who don't want to fight. No. Which, uh, that's another theme going in here, um, is, is the callousness of the military. And that's continuing off of two. That's continuing off of one. But it's still sandwiched in. That whole first scene is about that. Just the disrespect that these soldiers have for, uh, you know, for, for people who aren't fighting. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably an overblown, it's something that people who don't like the military like to say. And we can talk more about that um, later on. I'm sure it might come up in some of the questions, but I think that some of the, I'm just going to say it as a rip, some of the anti-militarism in here seems to stem it's very stereotypical and it seems to stem from someone who hasn't taken the time to put themselves in the shoes of someone who has to make the decisions from a military standpoint. And it oversimplifies it and it insults our men and women of the armed services in, in a lot of ways. Well, yeah, I mean, this is the, but remember, these are the people that wrote the movie to be an anti-militarism piece. So it's not, to, I mean, there's one thing between anti-militarism and another thing to, just as you said completely um just cynically assume that everyone involved be from ncos to co's to your common grunt is somehow a nefarious uh actor correct or that they all just have disrespect and hatred for the people who won't serve yeah so i don't know if this is a rip or a pick did but did anyone get I'm proud to be an American by Lee Greenwood vibes from uh, for the Federation? I die for you. Uh, no, that was you. I asked yeah, you. I, I'm hearing that song and I'm like, oh, man, this is like super sappy over well, the top military. Probably. And then I'm like, is I'm proud to be an American any different? You're I mean, you're drawing a parallel, but uh, I I'll be honest, I didn't get there. Okay, I did. <laughs> Maybe more Toby but, Keith, courtesy of the red, white, and blue. I don't know. <laughs> I, I didn't even get that much. But My favorite line, this is a rabbit hole, my favorite line in Toby Keith's courtesy of the red, white, and blue is when he says the Statue of Liberty was shaking her fist because I just always imagine the statue in port getting mad and like shaking <laughs> like it's ready for a fight. <laughs> that would be interesting. It would. They did it in Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> But um, I think uh, as a as a pick, I, I'll try to get a pick out of this. It's nice that they tried to go back to the original, you know, the Q bomb and the armor. It's nice that they started that. But as a, as a rip, the point where you know Johnny R- Colonel Rico. You're getting arrested now because you stopped me from killing a farmer. What? Yeah. Um, I'm assuming that this federation is too stupid to exist because um, 
No, I mean, if if this military operated on any level of decency, that general who raised a gun to a... Now, now granted, the farmer did attack the general, but the general just sat there and took it and then told everyone to stand down, which, by the way, wouldn't have happened either. But this... Gen, this yeah, the farmer would have gotten in trouble too, but the general would have gotten hit with a conduct on becoming an officer before the gun was even raised. Well, again, this is the, and this is something I did not get, obviously, to bring up because I was sick. But there's a big difference between like the movies and the actual book series. Oh no, completely. That was mentioned in part one. There's, there's yeah. starkly different because. In the movies, it's militarism and all this, but in the actual universe, dude, that 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 farmer has almost almost as many rights. The only real difference being can't vote, can't vote, but he has all the legal protections. You exactly. can't just attack him, shoot him, do whatever you want with him. He has protections. Yeah, in the same way here, if you were to look at a. If a general, now granted, you could talk about political smoothing, schmoozing and what have you, but let's just say on video, a army general attacked me, like I got in his face about something and he attacked me and it was on video that he threw the first punch and I, and I fought back. Um, again, I'm not going to go down the rabbit trail of they'll get away with it because of X, Y, Z. I'm just going to say. On video, the world sees it. That general or colonel or whoever is getting hit with conduct on becoming an officer, and I'm going to be considered, unless I rail into him and beat him down after he's no longer a threat, that's going to be considered self-defense. In a democracy, not in a military autocracy. Well, that's true, too. I mean, you got that point, but again, I'm going to fall back is just on this autocracy people. is too stupid to exist sometimes. It is too stupid to exist, but here's the thing. Clearly, these are supposed to be Nazis. Oh, well, obviously. And, and the, uh, the, the, the vibe that I got here, so I say that because anytime you start, I, I have, boy, let's, um, how do I want to say this? As I was watching this, without making any character judgments on this individual, I was drawing parallels to Johnny, and he's not, this is not what was intended, but I was drawing parallels to what happened to Heinz Guderian after the attack on Moscow failed and he was removed at the end of 42. He was probably one of the better tank commanders in the German army. But the attack failed, the battle was lost, and there had to be a scapegoat. So whether it was or wasn't Guderian, Guderian was the scapegoat. Now, they didn't execute him, but that was the end of his effective field command in World War II. And to me, it was... Johnny Rico is a hero of the Federation for as long as he's winning battles. Johnny Rico loses a battle, he's going to be the scapegoat because okay. it certainly wasn't the army or the leadership or the generals. It was traitorous action by Johnny Rico. I'll, you know what? I'll grant you that. That's true because you see that. You see all that with Stalin who executed his best generals, not just because he was afraid of their power, but because a battle didn't go their way because logistically they didn't have what they needed and somehow it was their fault that they couldn't pull a miracle out of their butt. And, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's too stupid to exist is real. So, okay, I'll grant you that one. 
I was I was thinking with the improper lens, I suppose. And you know, Stalin is a much better example for this, but since these are supposed to be Nazis, my mind went to, you know. Oh, well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I mean, they, uh, you know, towards the end. Dictator be dictator. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. <laughs> so. I've got a pick, and it, it's okay. a weird pick to get to, but... In the middle of this movie, you hear the politicians talking about the negative effects of the Q-bomb and why having a bomb that can destroy a planet is just bad for the entirety of the human race. It's not just the politicians, but go on. And you have other people who say that. But in the end, the thing that's probably, as this movie ends, what you're thinking is saving the human race is having a bomb that can blow up an entire planet because you needed that weapon to kill the supposed brain of brains. Now, I'm sure in Invasion and Traitor of Mars that I haven't seen yet, there's some reason why that this isn't the planet, the, the civilization-saving tool. But the thing is, it would have opened up a fantastic discussion on whether the technology is too dangerous to have or whether the technology is necessary in case you need it and human beings just have to be responsible enough to use it only in the right sense because ultimately the only way you you the only way to kill that bug the brain of brains is with the bomb that can blow up an entire planet otherwise that thing's going to live so well and these things exist so it's probably a good thing that the politicians and the other people didn't get their way and stop the development of the q bomb well and as thomas said it's a case of pick a lane yeah. So, oh, I, I wish the movie yeah. would have really went into that discussion. But with everything else it was trying to do, it didn't have time. But it didn't have time. I liked you know, that. There, there is another pick I want to give. Um, if you looked at the recruitment video, it said, would you like to know more? And right next to that click was, uh, by clicking on this, you waive all rights and you become sub, uh, fe- you know, property of the Federation. <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So if you click to know more, basically the fine print told you you're enlisting. Interesting. The first first 15 minutes of this movie with the, I mean, they spent a lot of time in that first 10 minutes of the would you like to know more was phenomenal. That part of the movie was like an eight. (laughs) Yeah. Put all their best satire, all of their best, like I would say if I was going to rewatch this movie, I would just put together a super clip of the would you like to know more propaganda reels. Yeah. They were good. I'll I'll give those as picks. Even though they were a bit too um, (coughs) blocky on the head, they still were funny into themselves. So I give that a pick. Well, any, any, any other rips and picks? Um... The entire movie. Okay. <laughs> Thomas? Um, kind of. I mean, this thing had a lot of problems. It, it, it at least was in-universe, which is kind of nice, but uh, it's like... It's one of those things where the first one was so nostalgic, so good. And it's just a bad taste. Mm-hmm. It's like you brought back Rico and then did nothing with him. I mean, one of your badass characters 
and all you get out of him is ah who he is yeah he's in a suit now that is a great point because this film was about lola beck which nobody cared about for good reason but yeah okay well we're gonna move on in that case to the uh the salient we'll say discussion point even though this film couldn't really pick a lane i picked one and we're gonna talk into the deep dive but before we do that now from a word from our fake sponsor do you like music well then you'll love this Hi, my name's Matt Ruckstar. I run several podcasts here on Raving Lunatic Media, including Cold Case Chase, which is returning on Halloween of this year, and Zodiac Task Force. You might recognize me more if I spoke like this. What you might not know is that I have an album dropping this Friday, September 9th. It's going to be my second album, the first one being The Raving Lunatic, this one being called Dancing with Dragons. So if you like music like this, or this, like a lion, y'all just lying. Be quiet so I can keep on vibing. Or even this. You should probably go hit the pre-save link in my bio on Instagram, at RuckstarOfficial. That's R-U-K-S-T-A-R Official. I hope you enjoy the rest of this episode and rock on. Oh man, Scott, I got this song stuck in my head. What song's that? Oh, it's dancing. It's by uh, Ruck. He just made a new album. I have never. You haven't heard of it? No, I've never heard of that song. Jeez, what are you stupid? It's part of the new album, Dancing with Dragons. He has a new album out called Dancing with Dragons. Yeah, he's not. Don't use that line, Ruck. Just do your own thing. (laughs) Now Ruck will do his plug. Yada 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 yada. Thanks, Rage Master. Now it's stuck in my head. Okay, so we're back from our phony sponsor that's giving us not even Ethereum or Bitcoin. So, um, ooh, NFTs, anyone? Anyway. Is that uh, an option? I wouldn't give it to you. I wouldn't accept it if you offered it for free. From the makers of Dogecoin comes Malady Coin. If you pay us... $8,000, I will send you one Malady coin. Malady coin not guaranteed to be worth anything. <laughs> However, it could be worth something. And I've heard that Elon Musk is about to tweet about the value of Malady coin. Possibly. Malady and coin is a physical coin made out of ceramic. It looks a lot like a challenge coin. <laughs> so before we go into the deep dive topic, I did find one more pick I wanted to mention that I neglected. At the beginning, the farmer flicked off the general and said, well, the general said, General Dixhauser said, can I ask you a question? And the farmer flicked him off, pointed at his wedding ring and said, I'm already married, general. I got a chuckle out of that. That was a good line. So, but anyway, the deep dive topic for today is having to do with, I guess you would say, um, controlling the masses. 
And because that was a theme here. And there were two distinct varieties of that in this film. So let's talk about the first one, media. Uh, particularly the federal ads, the Sky Marshal singing, having a leader, you know, sell a, and no doubt getting a monopoly on um, song, uh, music career that, by the way, he, for all we know, he used his psychic ability to make people like it. Um, and just also saying, donate, uh, buy the album, don't all proceeds go to the war effort, that sort of thing. And just, this has been a thing. Um, is this a, is this kind of depiction that we see in here? Have we been there? Are we going there? Are we there now? What do you guys think? We've always been there. Controlling the masses have existed for a long time. It's not something new. But in the it's, almost ridiculous methods that we see in the, in the film, this film in particular, that's where I'm getting at. Uh, I would, I'd argue that we've been there for a long time, and, and we've always been there. I would say that Rosie the Riveter is, is um, one of the early examples of it. But, I mean, he had people buying war bonds and, be, you know, uh, the whole concept of, of uh, the term of a patriot. Um, I would argue turn on CNN or turn on Fox News on any given night and you see stuff that is literally just about as much over the top. Um, and if you want to go away from that, you've got certain media, you know, self-professed um, largest media outlets in the world uh, convinced that Hillary Clinton is truly a lizard and people are believing it. And would you like to know more? Then buy my supplements. <laughs> Um, we're there. We're already there. Um, look at what the government... Look, populism is taking over the world right now. There is a, a huge populist wave, whether it's right-wing populism or left-wing populism. It is all about populism right now. Whether it's Bolsonaro in Brazil, whether it is, is um, Trumpism in America, you continued, or whether it's, it's uh, I, I want to say Venezuela put in a left-wing populist or Argentina recently... Populism is all over the world. Uh, China has populism out of nationalism and, and loyalty to the party. You'd call it, I, it's all about brainwashing the masses to believe and fall in line to what the government does. It's not new. Um, the Catholic Church did this after the fall of the Roman Empire for a thousand years. It's about controlling the message from on high. And, and whatever that authority is to give the masses their proper, correct behavior and convince them that it is in their best interest to fall in line and do that. Um, none of this is new. We just don't always recognize what our own propaganda is, which is why I said at the end, is Lee Greenwood's I'm proud to be an American any different than... Um, for the Federation, I'd die for you, with the exception that this was a military general singing it, and in the other case, it was Lee Greenwood. Or uh, Toby Keith, country music megastar, courtesy of the Red, White, and Blue, is different because it wasn't George Bush writing and singing that song at that time. But it's still something that the government was ready to go use as propaganda. Um, is it any different that we have the FedNet? I mean, is Donald Trump's Twitter account when he was president much different than FedNet? Than what? Than the FedNet that we see in, in these Starship Trooper movies. He was oh, sitting the president Fed, I'm of sorry. the I United I States. Know, I thought you said, so I didn't hear FedNet. I get it. I get it. 
I'm not sure that his Twitter account is any different than the FedNet that we see in these movies. Well, you well, also have just the simple fact that, I mean, every day you have the White House, whoever's in the White House, coming out and talking to the media, telling them what to say. Right. Well, and I was also thinking, though, would you like to know more is reminiscent of it's clickbait. It sure essentially, is. it sure is. Yeah. So. So, OK. And so you're even though it doesn't look the same, your argument is, well, we're there. It We've just looks there. different. It'll never be good. Propaganda will never be so over the top that you can that you can justify that you can see it the way that you can clearly see it in idiocracy or in um in Starship Troopers in in these FedNet videos. But yeah, these are these are over dramatization and exaggerations of something already existing. It's just exaggerating it to shine a light on it. I'll I'll, I'll okay. just I'll just say this. If you go back, let's replace the bug with the the terrorist communism at the time or of his, the communist writing yeah. communism at the time of the book's writing right and i said the terrorist because that's the the terrorist is the new communist in in our generation which you fear the most of they feared communism we fear terrorism um anything that they're saying about the bug was said about the communist and it was it's we've we've scared the crap out of people about islam and that it leads to radicalism, and that it, it and that it leads to terrorism, which is just a lie. We we've absolutely confused radical terrorism with with Islam, and and it's 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 not a proud moment for a supposedly enlightened democracy that that's the way we went after two thousand, um, and that we have you know people believing that and, and and look what we've done in the last twenty years. There's been a resurgence of jingoism a resurgence of nationalism, and a resurgence of the primacy of the traditional American culture. And, and we have two parties fighting a full-on culture war since at least 2008 as to what view of the, of the idea of what it is to be an American is going to hold dominance in this country. We've been in a culture war for over a decade, and you're either with us or you're against us in that internal culture war. Look at what the guy running for president who's going to run for president in 2024 and last left the office has been saying for the last three months now. He gets in front of a microphone and he says, yeah, we have some scary enemies externally, but the biggest threat to America is our internal enemies and the terrible people living within this country. If that's not setting the stage for a Stalinist purge of his ideological enemies, I don't know what is. Um, so, and that is, that is... That is similar to this. They're scaring people in this. You're supposed to be scared of the bug. They're showing you the horrors of what the bug will do. One guy's in a body bag with a head in one hand and the body in another hand. And that reminds me, we've done this in the last 20 years forever. We did it in the 40s uh -huh. and the 50s with the communist, and, and we've done it since 9-11 with the terrorist. Well, they showed the, the burning remains of Rokusan. Yeah. No. Every year we show the towers burning and falling. Why do we do that? And why, why does the government make sure that we talk about that every year? 
Now, I'm being a cynic here. I'm In being, the same way that we remember Pearl Harbor? Do we remember Pearl Harbor every year at this point? Does the government make sure that all the news agencies are showing us Pearl Harbor every year on December 7th? Well, hold up, hold up, hold up. I don't up, know. I don't know. Honest, I'll be honest. I haven't checked, so I'm it's not still, the one that. It's still yeah. useful for Americans to be afraid of another 9-11. Well, so they make sure that we are. That, now, the question is... How much of it is government and how much of it is media and how much of it is media? I had that question too, Thomas. How much of it is the media at the direction of their overall masters, the DNC and the RNC? The media, Uh, the Fox News is a tool of the Republican National Convention. CNN is a tool of the Democratic National Committee. Um... That's, that's just uh, that, that is what it is, and I yeah, know I'm, I'm trying to right, They also have the right to say no. Do they? Yes. What happens to Fox News if the Republican Party tells them that if the Republican Party says, "Fine, you're <laughs> not falling in line," we're going to tell everyone in our base well, to Scott, go watch. Hang OAN. on, hang on. You're forgetting now. I'm I'm not going to disagree with you on the on the the generalities, but there were plenty of times where Fox News did stuff. Uh, said things that uh, Trump did not like. And some of them aren't there anymore. Sure. Shepard Smith isn't hanging around there anymore, is he? Shepard Smith left of his own volition. He left of his own volition. Did he leave of his own volition? You know, Scott, now you remember the Kennedy assassination? Yeah. Now you're doing that again. I I understand I'm doing that again, but uh, the, the Trump... Was and there was a big move among conservatives for a minute to go uh, OAN and America's News Network. Sure, but you're you're now. Here's why I'm not going to go down your train because you're robbing Shep of his own. Uh, I'm robbing Shep of his agency. I get it. You're robbing him of his agency. You're basically saying, nope, he was just an unwitting player in the pawn of evil behind the scenes oh. machinations. Could it happen? Well, yeah, I guess he was but- probably told fall in line with what we're telling you to do, Shep. Or you're not going to be here. And he said, okay, I'm not going to fall in line. I'm going to leave before you fire. There you go. I'll give you that. That's his agency, though. Yeah. But, but the point is, I'm just saying that it's not, you're making it sound like, well, they're always beating the, the, the rhythm of that drum. Well, not necessarily, because there's an even bigger drum in that case. It's yeah. called advertising. Fox News knows where its bread is buttered. Fox it's, News. I mean, I'm just saying, as soon as someone's advertising cuts out, they're gone. That's the real kicker. Can we still make money off this person? Yeah, but so. I would say, I don't know. I, I mean, that, that's a whole different subject, but I believe that we, as you said, you started this with, do we have the propaganda? Yes. The government is smart okay, enough not to call fine. it. The that's government's fine. smart enough not to call it its own agency. Uh, the, the government, though, the, the, uh, the, the factions in the government they're, are they're, using they're, CNN they're. and they're using Fox News. They're using these media outlets as their mouthpiece, Scott, as their property. Rewind for a second. We did have the disinformation uh, administration or whatever. Yeah, that, that died before it started. Yes, but even the attempt of it is clear as day as what it was. Yeah, but they've gotten smarter. For sure. They've gotten smarter. They make you, they, they absolutely have gotten smarter. Look, I can't prove this. And, and this is where it becomes me on a conspiracy rant, potentially. I know Mark hates conspiracy theorists, but ultimately, I think if I could look long enough and someone who was a good investigative journalist, uh, independent, probably could prove this. I'll, I, Fox News, CNN, they know absolutely 
that they're look whether you're whether you're a Democrat or a Republican, whether you're a, whether you are a far right uh, Trump Republican or whether you're a far left progressive. Um, in this country right now, you're almost in a cult because you view that your your side is the only side that has the future survival of America at stake. And if the other side wins, everything that makes America what you want to live in is going away. And it's it's dividing lines in a true us or them culture war that one side is only going to lose kicking and screaming. And when they lose it, and one side will, they will feel that their America has died. And ultimately, that means that the parties that run that, those two apparatuses, whether it's the left or the right, are very, very able to go to media outlets and say, if you want our viewership, you will tell them what we want you to tell them. <clears throat> That's unofficial. You'll never find it in writing, but they're all smart enough to know where their bread is buttered. And CNN knows that if all of a sudden um, MSNBC is chosen to be the mouthpiece of the left, they are in trouble. I'm going to say you can find it in writing. You want to know where? Hmm. When they're hauled in front of Congress and told not to do misinformation or you'll be fined and or uh, taxed into oblivion. Well, now this, I guess I should have seen this coming. Stupid Rage Master. Uh, this is veering into conspiracy political malady, but. Uh, um, you brought it up. I did. I did. This is on me. I, I, I got to own up to this it. This question can't not go here. Even if but it was start, the government, even I, if it was the government putting out these propaganda films directly, that's still a conspiracy to pass off as legitimate news a blatant propaganda piece. Yeah, well, I guess I'm also trying to slow down on this because there's one other piece of this mass control I want to bring up. Let's do it because I think we've because talked this I one could, to death. Because this is something that we could do at length and then I don't want to miss the next point that gets obviously brought up a lot in this film and that is r the role of religion, which yeah. you alluded to earlier, Scott. And as someone, this hits home particularly more as someone of faith myself, being Christian. Um, I have to own up to the fact that yes, it is a means of control. And yes, there are clinical definitions of what is a cult what is a religion uh the best the the, the standard one are uh robert a, a robert tipton's uh eight criteria of a cult that basically differentiate between a religion and a cult uh one example would be um mystical manipulation another one would be the right of life the cult leader gets to decide who lives, who dies, the leader and the leader alone. Uh, those are just two examples right there. But uh, there's, there's a really good one. Also, whether or not they keep you connected to your family or not, if your new family is the cult. But, you know, honestly, most people tend not to go hard in on something like the Branch Davidians. But religion, on the other hand, that you can use. And we've seen throughout history how it is used. And to be perfectly honest, I can't believe the Federation is now just figuring this out. <laughs> they, they need the bugs to show it to them. And it's like, uh, wait, you need the bugs to show you that? What? The 30-year war wasn't good enough for you? You know? Um, uh, well, I, could, I do have an in-universe 
explanation on that one. Oh, okay. What you got? Um, the entire idea of the Federation existing is only after um, decades and centuries of warfare between uh, countries and wiping each other out before a world government came about, which was corrupt and killed hundreds and Cosmo Wars. And only t- thing that stopped all of it was service to the state. Uh-huh. Yeah, because religion, I can understand this, religion asks you to put your service to your God and your faith above everything else. And, okay, and the okay. Federation has asked you to put service, it's very Machiavellian, it's asked you to put service okay, to the state okay. above everything else. Yep. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. It's actually but, incompatible. It's incompatible with the Federation as it's ran uh, based on citizenship and, and service to the state. Um, but they're going to find a way to make it work because... Well, and they do. In fact, at the end, they flat out just, you know, God's on our side. He, first of all, the federal science experts agree God exists. He's on our side. He wants us to win the war. And odds are there's um, whoever's teaching it took the Bible and put a lot of black markers and notations in it because you're, that would require that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it just, this is obviously a, so the question is um, how, well, there's only one question. I can't even make a question about it anymore because now things are changing. But, um, you know, how is, do you think this could happen again? Uh, uh, I think it is happening right now. I don't, I'm not so certain. But the destruction of rationalism has caused a explosion in ideas and beliefs in pseudoscience well there is that yes but i'm talking about an organized you know catholic church style religion and as of late i'm not seeing that i would i would i could do an argument on wokeism being one uh, well, well and that and that but the problem is i'm talking about a central centrally structured clear leadership clear doctrine not everyone gets to interpret it their own way. You know, here's some, a few benchmarks, but then everything else is amorphous. I'm talking about something like the Pope says it, therefore it's holy writ. And there is a clear delineation and structure, financial structure, uh, control structure, real estate, all of that. Well, that's so, not going on at the end of Starship. Um, what you're Troopers. talking about is more an ideology that is amorphous and um i'm talking about an actual organized thing possibly abused by the state but as of late i see that becoming less likely being in ministry i now 20 years ago i would have agreed with you scott absolutely but as of late i'm not go yeah so yeah i I would say today you don't have the structure in place to do precisely that. Um, I mean, that could change in the future, sure. But as of right now, with recent decisions um, made at the Supreme Court level and people's response to it, I'm not, me being in ministry and seeing 
survey after survey. I don't know. Things could change, of course, but um, I'll just I suppose. Say, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I thought you were. Go ahead. I suppose that you won't have any kind of religious structure being used as media. I, I suppose, and, and I, I suspect Thomas would agree with me on this. What you're rather going to see is more like online movements becoming more they're not centrally funded, structured, got a top-down ideology governed by one person, but not generally anyway, but they themselves become more controlling for those particular, I guess we could call them echo chambers, maybe? I will just say that I would argue that there is one political party in America that is already using um, Christianity as its ability to control its base and it's very successful at getting that's, the majority of that religion to vote for it that's and true but so. that's starting there's little cracks in that and i would argue that's because of libertarians yeah there's little cracks in it but good chance so, that if you're that if you are a christian oh no you're, you're right about Republican that because the republican right party has that. positioned itself as the party of god if you're, you're if right you are that, if you the democrats are godless that, no, you're right about that. I'm just saying that I don't think that it's quite the same as, say, the court of the Bourbons being in bed with the Catholics. It's not as controlling as that, or as we saw in the film here. So, but I do think that um, you'll see more movements in, I, I guess, echo chambers is the best term of that would be something that would be more, and the government trying to co opt a very particular movement that seems successful to them anyway so i don't know what do you think thomas i would say the government is already co-oping movements and things like that so would so okay so it just depends on the movement yeah okay okay and i guess echo chambers would be the right sh sh term for that i suppose um but nonetheless so this film covered those things as far as control of the masses via media religion or movements even though it didn't say movements that would be something corollary to us but let's wrap this thing up. <laughs> let's wrap this thing up so how many brain bugs do you want to give this Ooh. i'll get started i'll give this five or six it was far better than part two it felt like a continuation of starship troopers but it also felt like a directed dvd sci-fi bleh original that tried to do too many themes at once its cgi was garbage and um the acting was meh so there it is five maybe six watchable I'm going to give it a three. It, it's better than Starship Troopers 2, but I would put it in the vein of, you know, it's a, it's a direct-to-DVD movie. I would also consider that along the lines of a made-to-TV movie. And so I could look at, you know, what uh, Sci-Fi Channel's Dune miniseries was an example of something that can be very, very good in this vein with good acting and, and good storytelling. This film is an abomination. The, the acting is terrible. Uh, you can't even get things right in-universe. Simple things like recast so that the story makes sense. These should have been, I'm almost going to guarantee in the first discussions of this film, these were Johnny Rico's friends from the first movie. 
when they realized they couldn't get them, they renamed them. Uh, and then you didn't even hide the fact that that's probably what you did. Um, the This is crazy coming from me, but a lot of the humor is juvenile. Um, wow, and that is a lot. Over-the-top juvenile with a lot of innuendo that just it's Jason X bad in some, in some areas. Um, beyond that, you had all these things that you could have talked about philosophically very well had you just chosen one or two of them and narrowed it down, the same trap Star Trek V fell into, and you didn't, so you talked about none of them very well, and you found a way to be insulting and demeaning to the men and women of the armed forces who, um, in reality, you can say, well, you're a general, you're ordering these people to die. But it's the politicians who are supposed to get to peace. And if there's a war being fought, then the generals have to figure out how to win it. And sometimes as a general, to win the war, you are ordering people to die. And you're ordering lots of people to die. And you're creating meat grinders. And in something like this, it is an existential war for the survival of the civilization. Uh, That's going to happen. And maybe be happy that you don't have to have that job. And that you don't have to have those decisions on your soul. Uh, maybe be happy that you don't have to go live the life of a soldier who is going to watch their friends die over and over and over again if they're unlucky enough to survive combat and come out of it with a completely different picture. We glorify war with propaganda films. We glorify, we still as a society tend to glorify war. And the reality of it is, as William Tecumseh Sherman said, war is all hell and it's a nightmare. Um, and when we, when we reduce these soldiers um, the way that it is done in this film, it is insulting to the men and women who risk their lives and, and sacrifice their lives uh, to defend this nation. And uh, actually, I'm going to take this down to a two because the more I get into that and the more I get into that, the more it, it kind of sickens me where this film went with it. So, yeah. And it's derivative with nothing original. Sounds like it's, a, a, it's a bad sounds movie. Like a- Sounds like an Oliver Stone movie now. Yeah. It's a bad movie. It's overall just it's it's bad. Um, I, I'm going to give it a three. I mean, it, it it tries to bring back some of what made the first film great, but fails, fails spectacularly, and actually gives me a bad taste in my mouth. Honestly. Now, I know where it goes from here, so it's not the end, but this could very easily have ended this entire thing because this is complete and utter trash. And it shouldn't be. It's not... It's a good universe where you can tell tons of stories. Why on earth do you want to kill it? So... Yeah, I mean, as as satirical as part one was, this kind of went a little bit over top. Just from I knew we were in for that, Thomas. When I heard, "Here's the newest shovel in the Federation," or "Here's the newest tool in the Federation," the newest weapon, a shovel. It's like, is that supposed to be a bad joke? Someone's. I, I want to say one more thing. That, that was a bad joke, terrible joke, and a technological war. They've never figured out how to actually fight the way it would be fought in a modern war, and they still want to keep making commentaries on the conduct, the conduct of World War One, um, trench warfare. Yes. Yeah, and and you know the generals are just able men led by donkeys. They were trying to figure out how to fight a war that they had to fight because their politicians failed to bring peace, 
and reduced it to war, um, which is what happens when diplomacy fails. <laughs> but I'm going to point out one more thing. I said this is demeaning to the men and women in our armed services. And I'm going to point out the scene at the beginning when they're just watching the bugs crash into the wall and kill themselves over and over again. And they're joyful with Klee. The only good bug is a dead bug and blah, yada, yada, yada. I think at some point, battle-hardened soldiers aren't sitting there. They, they come to empathize with their enemy, too, as they're just uh, tools of government that are told that they have a job to do. And maybe sometimes they are. Maybe sometimes they are. But it really made these Marines very, very heartless, overjoyed at watching the soldiers die, uh, the bugs die. And um, I had a problem with it. I had a problem with what it reduced them to is just blood-happy, kill-happy. Um, that didn't bother me because I've just i'll give you one story my father was in the navy in vietnam and one of their jobs was to shell different areas that they knew had a vc and when they listened to the where the shells went dad told me they listened to it as though they were listening to a ball game and cheering the hits so to the idea that any soldier now that every soldier does it no and that's it they made every soldier but, do it though well they only have three soldiers showing it in the bar so i'm gonna let that one go because i because listening to veterans that has happened that one didn't shake me as bad because you're gonna get that and part of it is a certain depending on your branch and individual you're conditioned well, to be okay. and especially the fact that they are not talking about humans either they're talking no. about but they're bugs. also not easier, giving you the it's easier to dehumanize a bug. Yes, it is. Well, but it's also they're also not giving you Thomas, and then I'll step out. They're also not giving you the other side of that. Fifteen years later, when the fighting is over and the war is over, and the soldiers are having haunting nightmares of the fact of you know well, some soldiers really don't ever recover from that. <laughs> but you want them to add another lane? <laughs> I'm not asking them to add another lane. But you're not going to show them the whole thing that in the moment you get some bloodlust, and that twenty years later it's it's scarred your soul forever and you're living with it then don't make it look like they're just people who can happily watch other sentient beings die and pay no price for that and just be happy about it like they're unfeeling sociopaths and i think that's what the movie kind of painted them as just hey these guys don't care you're the enemy you're dead they're happy and they'll just move right on with their life all right thomas well i I was just going to say they're not humans for one and the other being that Something exists in the military as a coping mechanism called dark humor. Yep, that's true. You will find it a million times over that, yeah, guess what? You just do things because it's dark humor and that's how it's going to work and that's all you care about. And it's going to get you through the day. That's true. That's true. But, but, and, and if they were to show you the full range of it, I wouldn't have so much of a problem, but they don't, sh- they don't have time to. And so it's a movie that just paints soldiers as bad people um, yes. or unethical people. That's, that's one of my problems. And I'm also going to say one other thing, because then we got to get out of here because we're at 112 and, and I know. But I fully, I can't, I, I couldn't prove it with research. I would be shocked if Heinlein didn't make the enemy an arachnid bug as the symbolism of the dehumanization that we do to our enemies in war. It, and it's by, it, when you make the enemy a bug, you give a justification. You don't have moral qualms and you don't have the argument to say, these aren't humans, but that's what we do. 
That's what we do to the enemy in almost every war. We dehumanize them. So take away the mask and the mental gymnastics that we do and start with a dehumanized enemy and show how our worst impulses in war come to the front and we're not as opposed to checking them. Okay. So, bottom line, sickies, if you want to watch the whole series of Starship Troopers films, you'll like this better than part two. But you probably won't like it anyway. <laughs> With that in mind, though, if, on the other hand, you want to listen to something that you will like, tune in to Zodiac Task Force. By, if you're listening to this after the fact, that episode will have dropped. It's episode 13. Uh, sometime in October, we'll also be getting, as Ruck mentioned, the uh, uh, Cold Case Chases Back and hopefully Case the Kills. <laughs> we'll include something about a haunted elevator. And, yeah. So, and you could comment on our comments on video on either our Discord page, or you could also do so at www.scott is a glorious leader. Follow him, vote him in for president in 25. No, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com. Rage Master, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies. And buy 12 million of Rock's album.